Hi, with Ainsley Boyan, and this is the weekly wrap on this day, the 24th of February 2017. Australian dollars, gold is sitting at 16.19 and silver at $23.59, with the Aussie dollar at 77.2. So this week saw both gold and silver higher despite our dollar continuing its climb. The week also saw silver smash through the 200 day moving average, a very bullish sign for many. It was another week of equity markets surging and volatility disconcertingly low, with the Dow hitting a streak of 10 record high closes in a row. That's the longest streak since January 1987 and only the second time in 100 years. This at the same time that share market volatility index plunged to a 21-year low. Everything is most certainly awesome and nothing could possibly go wrong. Well, maybe for a start, all these Trump promises may not materialise as the market hopes. Topically, last night, gold saw its biggest jump this year on the back of Treasury Secretary Munkins expressing concern about the national debt, flagging delays in tax cuts and stating that any new policies will unlikely have any impact in 2017. On top of that, it was reported that Trump may delay his infrastructure bill until 2018, which saw infrastructure-related shares plunge overnight. Or maybe the debt monster will bite. US household debt rose by $226 billion to $12.6 trillion in the fourth quarter of last year, and handing 2016 the unenviable record of racking up the biggest debt increase in a decade and just $99 billion shy of the all-time record $12.7 trillion set in 2008, just before the GFC crash. The debt was spread out amongst credit cards, car and student loans and a fourth quarter surge to the highest amount of new mortgages since just before the GFC. You remember the financial crisis brought on by those very same loans. But we don't learn as the report's author, the New York Fed, estimate that debt is highly likely to set a new record this year. But it wasn't just household debt in the spotlight this week. The same man who was proposing huge tax cuts and infrastructure spending, President Donald Trump, ironically Wednesday night sensationally claimed he had, and I quote, enormous work to do on national debt, and that the US budget is absolutely out of control. It is therefore somewhat concerning. The deficits of tax cuts would be immediate, but... Uh, Goldman Sachs came out this week predicting growth effects of a Trump tax cut wouldn't be felt until 2018 or 19, reinforcing Mukin's comments last night. So the $300 trillion question is, can this hope-based rally survive on hope alone for that long? Oh, and that long would make this the longest bull cycle in all of history. The week was also most notable for the Fed's February meeting minutes being released on Wednesday night, our time. Whilst fairly even-handed, the market certainly read them as being a little more dovish, and hence the odds of both a March and June rate hike slipped. The key takeaways were a reiteration by many in the committee that a rate hike would happen, and I quote, fairly soon, that they saw only modest risk of significant inflation, but were concerned about downside risks from further US dollar strength. In a clear reference to this hope-based Trump rally in equities yet to meet reality, they said, and I quote again, the recent increases in equity prices might in part reflect investors' anticipation of a boost in er- to earnings from a tax cut in corporate, uh, sorry, a cut in t- corporate taxes or more expansionary fiscal policy, which, in, which may not materialise. They- Their release saw the odds of a March rise fall two points to 36% and June down three points to 75%. The US dollar drop, equities mixed and gold and silver stronger. After the minutes included, concern expressed about the abnormally low volatility index, the VIX. The quote of the day came from Zero Hedge who quipped, 
The Fed is worried that its interventions in the market to lower volatility have resulted in volatility that is too low. The US housing market continued to throw paradoxical signs with the MBA mortgage applications dropping again by 2% against last week's also minus 3.7% and purchases down again to minus 2.8% after last week's minus 4.5%. Countering that story, we saw January existing home sales jump 3.3%, well above expectations of 1.1% and against last month's revised minus 1.6% drop. The pace of sales in January was 3.8% higher than a year ago, making it the strongest since February 2007, at the height of the pre-GFC property euphoria. Something to think about there. There was not a lot in the way of economic data released this week, but what we saw would be concerning the Fed and the Everything's Awesome crowd. After Trump hope-based rise since the election, US manufacturing PMI saw a decline to 54.3 from 55 and against expectations of a rise of 55.4. Likewise, US services PMI fell to 53.9 from 55.6 and again down on expectations of a rise to 55.8. The composite PMI dropped 1.5 points, the biggest drop in a year. Again, the concerning trend was input cost inflation being the highest in September 2014 and hope slipping with market stating February also saw a sharp pullback in business optimism about the outlook over the next 12 months which suggests companies have become more cautious about spending, investing and hiring. Across Europe and the continued flight to relatively safe Germany away from the French political uncertainty saw two-year German bonds yields tumbling to a fresh all-time low of minus 0.92%, and now pressuring the euro as well, sending it down to a one-month low. Whilst most eyes were on the French elections, Deutsche Bank came out stating the probability of negative development in Italy in the short or medium term is a greater risk than a victory by Marine Le Pen. Take a pick as both would possibly see the end of the euro experiment, which also saw Alan Greenspan this week predict in a now Uh, It is now inevitably going to fail because the irreversible economic and social differences between the North and the South. Russia continues shoring up its economic future by upping its gold reserves in January by a massive 1 million ounces, or 31 tonnes, bringing its total reserve holdings to around 1,645 tonnes. That keeps them in sixth place among sovereign gold holders, nearly 200 tonnes behind China's official holding in fifth place, but really few experts think that's all China has. Australia's recovery took a double hit yesterday with CapEx investment by Aussie businesses down for a fifth consecutive year and wage growth sliding to a record low of just 1.8% and putting real wage growth after inflation perilously close to zero and adding pressure to the RBA to cut rates again. Just as this week the Governor confessed doing so would encourage even more debt and inflate the already bubble-like property market even more, which, as he said in his usual understated manner, and I quote, at the moment I don't think these two things are in the national interest. Still in Australia and the stupidity award of the week must surely go to Nationals MP Andrew Broad, who suggested banks should forego a deposit for first home buyers who have a strong three-year rental history, meaning they can borrow 100% of the loan, in a move to supposedly address our affordability crisis. Apart from perpetuating the perception that home ownership is a right, not a hard-earned privilege, it seems to miss that teeny tiny point of what if prices drop? Where exactly is the bank security in that scenario? I mentioned Alan Greenspan earlier and let me leave you with three quotes from an interview with him last week. I view gold as the primary global currency. Significant increases in inflation will ultimately increase the price of gold. 
And finally, investment in gold now is insurance. We'll catch you next week and remember, balance your wealth in an unbalanced world.